right, I hope so. Um, we are nearing the end of our Philippians sermon series. I think we have uh, maybe a week or two, two weeks after this one. Um, so three sermons left, counting today. Um, so I would love for you to turn to Philippians chapter 3 if you, have, if you have your Bible with you. If not, I want to encourage you to bring your Bible. If you need a Bible, please let me know and I would be glad to purchase one for you. Um, and free things are always good things. So let me read this passage. This is Philippians chapter 3, verses 12, and I'm going to be reading to 4, one to chapter 4, verse 1. Not that I have already reached the goal, the Apostle Paul, remember, is writing this to the church at Philippi. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have attained. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters, and pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their stomach, their glory is their shame, and they are focused on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject everything to Himself. So then... My dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and my crown, in this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. Kind of already alluded to this, as did Selena, but our main point this morning is simple, but it's essential to the Christian faith. Press on. We're called to press on as followers of Christ and to know and follow Jesus, we must press on. Let me pray. God, thank you for your word. Thank you that it's true. And God, I pray this morning that every single one of us, God, sitting in here this morning or watching online, God, I pray that we are pressing on if we're stagnant in any way in our faith, if in any way, God, we're not trusting you with our whole selves, God, would you reveal that to us, help us to live a life that endures, endures in the faith, endures in knowing you and following you. God, we know that we fall short. 
We know that there are so many things in this world that we chase after, that we want, that we desire, but we also know, God, we need you. So break free. God, crack open our hearts and our minds and show us, reveal to us, we need you, Jesus. Use me, God, a a broken sinner, to proclaim and preach your word. God, do what only you can do. Change hearts, minds, and lives this morning. And help us to press on, Jesus, we pray in your name. Amen. Each year in Australia, there is an ultra-marathon endurance race that is run from Sydney to Melbourne. Now, you probably have no idea how long that is, and I didn't really either until I read the story and I had to kind of look it up, but... It is 544 miles. So these psychopath runners gather together, hundreds of them, and they attempt to run this 544 mile race. Can you imagine? Some of you can't even imagine running five minutes, let alone 544 miles. Well, in 1983, a 61-year-old man named Cliff Young showed up on the day of the race to register. Fine. Sounds good. A lot of 61-year-olds run and even run ultramarathons. But Cliff wasn't wearing running sneakers or even shorts. He was wearing work boots, galoshes. Those are the things that go over your boots. And overalls. He wasn't a professional runner with a shoe deal. Cliff was a simple potato farmer and a sheep herder. I think we have a picture of him right there. Many spectators and runners looked at Cliff. He didn't have his false teeth in that day either. And they thought, this must be a joke. Is this some sort of, you know, publicity stunt? The local press was curious before the race and they questioned him and said, how do you plan on finishing the race? There's no way you're going to complete this marathon looking like that. He replied to the reporters, yes, I can. I grew up on a farm where we couldn't afford horses and tractors. And whenever the storms rolled in, I'd have to go out and round up the sheep. We had 2,000 sheep on 2,000 acres, sometimes I would have to run those sheep for two or three days nonstop. It took a long time, but I'd always catch them. I believe I can run this race. So the gun goes off, the race starts, and the laughter begins as well. The laughter starts as well. While the other runners took off, Cliff shuffled along in a leisurely manner. Now, I don't know how many years, uh, what is this, 20, 37 years later? And there's actually a style of running called the Young Shuffle, and it's named after Cliff Young. And there's a guy that runs by our house several times a week, and he actually does the Young Shuffle. And the Young Shuffle is just simply running like this. So, of course, you see all these runners sprinting, and you see this guy 
be bopping along, of course there's going to be some snickers and laughter. And there was. But his race philosophy was simple as herding 2,000 sheep. Keep pressing on. Don't stop. Five days, 15 hours, and four minutes later, Cliff Young shuffled across the finish line. Let me say that again. Five days. Dude ran for five days. 15 hours, and four minutes later, Cliff Young shuffled across the finish line, winning the ultramarathon. Winning it. Now catch this. This is fascinating. He didn't win by a few seconds, minutes, or even an hour. The nearest runner was nine hours and 56 minutes behind him. He broke the record that was previously held. How did this happen? How did a 61-year-old overall galosh-wearing farmer dominate a field of professional runners? He pressed on. You see, every other runner believed the only way to win an ultramarathon like the one in Australia was to run for 18 hours a day, stop, and sleep for six hours. That routine would then be repeated over a five or six day period. Every runner believed that except Cliff. You see, Cliff was used to, as he said, chasing sheep for two or three days straight without sleeping, without eating, without doing much of anything other than running after sheep. So he shuffled along day and night as if he was herding these sheep and he broke the previous record by nine hours. When everyone else stopped and slept, Cliff pressed on. When he was exhausted and wanted to rest, Cliff pressed on. Cliff knew how long the race would take. He knew it wasn't a sprint, but a marathon, an ultra-marathon, really. See, endurance mattered. The Christian life is all about endurance. It's about pressing on. It doesn't matter if the world or anyone else or everyone else is sleeping. We press on as Christians. It doesn't matter if we're exhausted, tired, overwhelmed. We press on as Christians. The moment we surrender our lives to Jesus, guess what? The exercise commences. The race begins. The gun goes off. And you're called to endure, as am I. We're called to run and to run and to run and, to run, and guess what? You don't stop until you meet Jesus and you're crowned with the victory of life. You press on, Christian. That's what you do. We don't stop. And that's what the Apostle Paul is communicating plainly to the church in Philippi. And he's communicating it to us as well 2,000 and some odd years later. Press on. Don't stop. Don't give up. Keep moving. Keep shuffling. What's fascinating, just really quickly, is the guy that runs by our house, about a year ago when he started doing this and running by our house, homeboy looked like he was going to die. Like he's just like, 
I thought he was going to fall over in our driveway. I had to kick him out and get into the street. I, mean, I don't want a lawsuit on my hands. And now he is, and you know where, some of us, you, you know where we live. He is flying up that hill. Because he kept running. He kept going. He kept pushing on, pressing on. He kept enduring. And the same is true with the Christian life. Well, in the previous section of this letter, we looked at this last week, but the Apostle Paul noted, he said, I, I want to know Christ. Remember he said this? I want to know Christ and I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. I want to share in his death so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. So the Apostle Paul, right, remember this? He wanted to know Jesus more and more and more every single day. That was his focus and that should be our focus as a Christian. I want to know Jesus I want to know every single part of him. Even when I suffer, even when I struggle, I want to know Jesus because it's in the struggling, it's in the suffering that I find him and I realize how good he is. See, our faith, our life, just as I said last week, is all about Jesus and it's just Jesus. Remember, on the Damascus Road, Acts chapter 9, the Apostle Paul, Saul then, is traveling down to, to persecute Christians. He, he meets Jesus. He's radically changed. He was probably, you know, scholars believe in his late 20s at that point. Now here we are 27 years later. He is sitting in prison in Rome. He's, he's grown tremendously, obviously, right? In his faith and his understanding of Scripture. He's, he's grown in his faith and his understanding in Jesus. But he knew he hadn't yet arrived. He knew, even though I've grown so much, even though I'm a pillar of the faith, I have brought hundreds, thousands of people to faith in Jesus Christ. I still have to press on. I cannot stop, even though I am sitting in this dank prison cell. Paul knew he didn't have it all figured out. So he's sitting there in this cell, and he wrote to the Philippians, verse 12. Not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort. You got your Bible with you. You might want to underline that, circle it, highlight it, do whatever you do in your Bible. It's okay to write in your Bible. It's not a sin. I make every effort. I do everything I possibly can to take hold of it because I also have been taken hold of by Jesus Christ. In other words, Jesus has saved me and I'm going to do everything I possibly can to continue to pursue him and to continue to be changed by him. He had not reached the goal. He had not crossed the finish line. Now what I love about this and what I love about the Apostle Paul in comparison to so many people and even celebrity preachers in our day is Paul did not desire fame. He didn't desire wealth. He didn't desire power. He didn't even desire influence in the church or outside the church. He said, I make every single effort to take hold of it. Well, what is it? The goal. It is the goal. The goal is knowing and being with Jesus. So I'm going to press on because I want to know I want to be with Jesus. So regardless, as I said earlier, the situations and circumstances of life, the Apostle Paul pressed on. Now, this is what I find incredibly uh, interesting and amazing about the Christian faith and the Christian walk. The closer you get to Jesus, and some of you have probably seen this, the closer you get to Jesus and the more you grow in him, 
and the more you know him, the more you realize how much sin is in you. And the more you realize, I still have a long way to go. I have grown tremendously over the last, I don't know how many years I've been a Christian, 27 years or so. I have grown tremendously. But I am like, whoa. I have so much further to go. I have not figured this out. I have grown in Christ in so many ways, but, but wow, I got a lot of shuffling yet to do. And I got a lot of pressing on that still has to take place. See, every growing, and this is a mark of a growing Christian. Every growing and maturing Christian knows I am a sinner saved by grace. Jesus has done all the work, but I know at the same time, I don't have it all figured out. I know I need Jesus, and only He's going to change me, and only He's going to grow me. And I'm going to keep pressing on. And that's what Paul did. He said, I make every effort. Now, I want to say this just real quick. The Christian life takes effort. Now, not salvation, because that's... That's Jesus, that's Christ and Christ alone. He, he saved you. you brought, as I've said a million times, you brought nothing to the salvation party. That was all Christ. But once you become a Christian, walking in faith, putting your old self and, and putting it to death and keeping it dead, that takes work. It takes effort. We envision, though, that the Christian life and walking in Christ and growing in Christ, we envision it almost like we're on a bicycle and we're cruising down a hill. It's not like that at all. The Christian life and and pursuing Jesus, yeah, it might be like riding a bicycle, but one going up a hill, not down it. It takes effort. It takes work. There is effort and quite a bit of effort involved. There is nothing passive about the Christian faith. It is a very active faith. And if you value your relationship with Jesus, and I, and I hope you do, you'll press on. You'll keep fighting. You, you won't stop when it gets hard. You won't stop when you get a little exhausted or tired. You won't, you won't stop when you look around and everybody else is doing their thing. You'll press on. You'll do whatever you need to to know more and more of Jesus. Well, Paul provides a few tips about pressing on, doesn't he? Look at verses 13 and 14 again. He said, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, I preached on this about a year ago. (laughs) It was right before all the mess happened uh, with COVID. This is our vision sermon, 2020. Yeah, it's going to be our year, right? Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and I reach forward to what is ahead, I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. So how do you press on? You press on by forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. That's how you press on. The image that the Apostle Paul provides is that of a runner. I mean, that's the image that he's giving us. It's that of a runner who's just continuing to move forward. He's just shuffling along. He's just, I got to go. I got to go. I got to finish this race. I'm I'm not going to stop moving. I'm going to keep moving my feet, continuing to move forward, shuffling all along. That's what we're called to do. Now, what exactly are we to forget? 
What are we to forget as Christians? The reality is we're called to forget anything that gets in the way of knowing and following Jesus. That's what we forget. So for some of us, we might need to forget our past accomplishments. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, after the service, go home and listen to Bruce Springsteen's Glory Days. What a great song. But it's a tragic song too. It's these people just hanging out, reliving high school. Let it go. It was 30 years ago. You weren't even cool back then. You thought you were, but you had a jean jacket with patches on it and a mullet. No, just move on. Better days are ahead than what was behind. See, for some of us, we do need to let go of our past accomplishments because we're looking too much at what we did rather than what God is calling us to do. We might need to forget our previous reputation or popularity. We might need to forget our guilt, our shame, and our regret. Some of you need to let it go. You made a lot of mistakes. You were really good at sin. I'm right there with you. Let it go. Jesus saved you. He redeemed you. He is changing you. He's got you. Let it go. Some of us need to forget our former life. Yeah, you were that person. But you're not him or her anymore. Now, there's an important thing we got to note here. Forgetting does not mean that we're attempting to erase any memories of our past. Because the Apostle Paul does talk about his past, doesn't he? We looked at it a few weeks ago. He does talk about his past. He's like, yeah, that, that was then. Right now is, is what's important. I'm pressing on in the present and I'm looking forward to what is coming. That was one thing. This is a better thing. I'm going to keep moving forward. So no one is saying that you need to throw away your photo albums and your VHS tapes and all that good stuff. Like Keep them, look to them, but have them have their proper place. We're not going back to that time. We're pressing on. So forgetting is the constant refusal to, to not get distracted by what was. The challenge is to focus on what is and what will be. Christians, again, press on. That's what we do. We focus on what is. We focus on the present and we focus on what will be. Jesus, the Christ, changing and redeeming everything for all time. We're not limited by or in bondage to our past. We press on because we know what's coming is far better than what was. And I hope you're living that way. We're reaching forward. See, the runner running the race cannot be concerned by what is behind. He must keep going, straining forward until he reaches the finish line. I mean, what I love about this story with Cliff Young is he thought nothing of the laughter. He thought nothing of the other runners. After running 18 hours that first day, and he probably noticed everybody kind of veering off the road, going wherever they did to get their sleep, to get their nap, Cliff thought nothing of it. He's thinking, I'm just going to do what I've always done. I'm going to keep going. And I'm going to press on. This is what I do. This is who I am. I hope you can kind of see the analogy. 
Christian. This is what I do. This is who I am. I press on. I don't stop. It doesn't matter what everybody else is doing, what everybody else is saying. I am going. Victory is difficult in any race. There's going to be stress. There's going to be strain. But to reach the goal, to cross the finish line, you've got to press on. The Christian life ain't no walk in the park, folks. It's not. And neither is life. But do you want to do it with Jesus or without him? How's it going without him? Probably not very good. It's a race. And I want to tell you, man, it's a race. It really is. And the devil is nipping at your heels. And if you stop, he's going to get you. Because he's prowling around, Scripture says. So we press on. We keep going. You know, Selena even just said a few minutes ago about, you know, losing, you know, Chris's mom and, and her mother-in-law. And it's, it's horrible. We, we know she's with Jesus right now and she's celebrating and she's glorying in Christ. But the reality is, man, don't coast into death. We're all going to die. Don't coast into it. You go down like she did, fighting. Fighting and wanting people to know and to grow in Jesus. That's how you go out. You keep running, you strain forward, you keep the pace, heading toward the goal, being with Jesus in glory. Now notice we're pressing on towards something, right? We're moving towards something. That's what Paul said. I pursue as my goal the prize promised. And we know everything promised in Scripture comes to pass, don't we? Amen? Okay, I think we got one Amen. Thanks, Arthur. Now we got to, okay, we got some more. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. The prize is knowing Jesus more and more. It's finding our joy in Him. It's understanding our value is in Christ, not in this world. It's peace with Him. Regardless of what's going on around us, I am at peace because of Jesus. And we receive a glimpse of the prize here in this life. We get a glimpse of it here. And if you're a Christian, you, you know what I'm talking about. But there is so much more to come, isn't there? The crown of life, eternity with Jesus. So we press on because we know what's coming. We know what we receive, but we know what's coming is far greater. Now before we move on to verse 15, I need to ask us a question. Are you pressing on? Are you pressing on? Are you forgetting what is behind? Are you somehow still trying to get back there? Are you, are you forgetting what is behind? Are you reaching forward to what is ahead? Now, you've got to be honest here first with yourself, and you've got to be honest with God because He knows your thoughts, He knows your actions, He, he knows what you're about. The first part of this is be honest with yourself. Am I really pressing on? Am I, am I being faithful? Am I, am I trying to follow and walk with Christ? Well, look at verse 15. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. And if you think differently about anything, God will reveal to you. So the maturing Christian knows, I need to press on. This side of heaven, I've not arrived. I've got to keep going. I've got to keep schlepping along. i just got to keep moving my feet. They know they can't stand still in their faith. They know they have to reach forward. And they have to reach forward because it's only in that that they're going to hit the finish line. 
See, the Judaizers, remember we talked about them last week, but the Judaizers were running around telling everyone in the church in Philippi, we've arrived. That's one of the things they were saying is, we've arrived, we've, we've crossed the finish line, and we've crossed the finish line because we're, we're really good at following the Old Testament law. We're really good at that. We're really good at following the Old Testament law. We're really good, we're really good at following Jesus. So we've, we've made it. We've crossed the finish line. They boasted. And they bragged. But sadly, that's an immature way of thinking and believing and living. And I've seen a lot of this with Christians. Is is somehow we elevate ourselves uh, over and above everyone else rather than serving. And that's a clear sign that we haven't matured. The Christian faith is about serving. It's about loving. It's about pursuing Jesus. It's about emptying ourselves rather than building ourselves up and boasting and bragging. See, until Christ returns, we will not know perfection, but we press on because maturity and knowing more of Jesus transforms our lives both now and for eternity. Paul says elsewhere, right, when he's when he's teaching and he's writing to others, he said, listen, I thought you were a little bit more mature. I thought you were a little bit further down the road, but actually, you know, you need spiritual milk, not solid food. And my hope and my prayer for all of us is that we're maturing in such a way that, you know, we're going from milk to sweet potatoes to maybe lima beans. Remember those? Nobody eats those anymore. I liked them when I was a kid. To, to some carnitas. Oh, I love carnitas. Oh, maybe some steak, some chicken. But we've got to progress. We've got to grow. We've got to develop. By the way, when, when Amelia, really quick, when Amelia, our youngest, uh, started getting in the solid foods, she loved uh, sweet potatoes and carrots, you know, the mashed up ones. And my wife just kept feeding them to her. And she was turning orange. And I'm like, honey, homegirl looks like Oompa Loompa. Stop! Give her some green. She's turning orange. No, no, she's, it's just her complexion. You're Italian. I'm like, I'm not orange. We take her to the doctor. We had the sweetest doctor ever. He was one of those older, older pediatricians. He still made house calls. He came with his little briefcase. It was the sweetest thing ever. Sweet man. And uh, he said, uh, he said, Mrs. Paul, uh, your daughter's orange. You got to lay off the beta carotene. Anyhow, but we need to have solid food. But but here, look at at the second half of verse 15. Paul said, and if any of you think differently about anything, God will reveal this to you. In other words, what he's saying is Philippians, people in Philippi, Christians, if you disagree with me, I'm praying that God will reveal it to you. So if you think you've already arrived or if you think you don't need to press on, I am praying that you see otherwise. Because you've got to keep moving. You're not there yet. So I want to take, I just want to pause for a moment, but we need to to constantly, we, we regularly should be taking stock of our lives. Am I pursuing Jesus or am I not? Am I growing in the faith or am I stagnant? I mean, that's what, that's what Paul is communicating here. He's, he's saying, if you're not pressing on, I, I hope you'll stop coasting, and I hope you'll get moving. See, movement matters in the Christian faith. We see this with the disciples, right? 
The disciples were, were drastically different from when they first met Jesus to, to, when, they're, when, to when they're writing letters and, and, and being uh, persecuted and put to death. I mean, we see this in verse 16. In any case, we should live up to whatever truth we have obtained. What he's communicating is, listen, if you're spiritually young, that's okay. If you're spiritually immature, listen, that's okay. But you've got to keep moving. You, you can't stay where you are. You have to keep growing. The important matter is to stay active. Don't be passive. Just because you surrendered your life to, to Jesus once doesn't mean that that's where it ends. That's where it stops. No, every day you surrender your life to him. You're, pursued, you're called to pursue him in all life to press on. Staying active and pressing on in the Christian faith involves spending time with the right people too. And Paul communicates that. Join in imitating me, brothers and sisters. Pay careful attention to those who live according to the example you have in us. I've said this before. I say it again. This is a whole other sermon. But who you spend time with matters. The people who you surround your life with matters. The people that you follow and you emulate, it matters. People influence you, and guess what? You influence other people. Well, I'm not a leader. I don't care if you're not a leader. It doesn't matter if you think you're a leader or not a leader. You have influence over people. And people have influence over you. So how is that going? How is that going? Are you, are you influencing them towards Jesus or away from Jesus? Are they influencing you towards Jesus or away from Jesus? Jesus spent three years with his disciples. He didn't give them a manual. He didn't give them some sort of guide or, or anything like that on how to live as a Christian. The, the disciples followed him. They listened to him. They learned from him. Now I want to say this really quickly. Following Jesus isn't just taught. It's not just this. It's also caught. That's why who you're following matters. And who you're trying to emulate matters. Find faithful, godly examples and watch them live their lives. And listen, I'm not talking about following some Christian celebrities on YouTube or Instagram. We've had people leave our church over that. And that is just nonsense. You need real people, real Christians in your life. Iron sharpens iron. I know we got the whole COVID thing on, but you need people brushing up against your shoulders, teaching you and leading you to Jesus. Come to church. Join a crew. Come on Wednesday night. Practice the faith that you profess. I need to get moving here. In verse 18, he addressed these anti-role models. So here in verse 17 or so, he's saying this is what it means to, to be a role model. This is what it looks like to be a Christian role model. Verse 18, this is what an anti-role model looks like. For I have often told you, and now say again with tears, that many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Now the people in verse 18 are not the Judaizers that I referenced earlier and those last week. The people in verse 18, completely different group of people. And the language in the original Greek text suggests that this group of people was part, they were part of the Philippian church. So these are people that profess Jesus. They gave their lives to Jesus at some point, and then somewhere along the way, things went sideways for them. In other words, they fell away from the faith. They backslid, to use an old school term. 
They claimed to be Christians, but they pursued sinful living, not Jesus. They had no desire to press on. They were pretenders. In the roaring 1980s, we call them posers. That's what they were. The Apostle Paul said they were enemies of the cross. Dang, Gina. Some of you remember the Martin Lawrence show. That's where that's from. It's a great phrase to use. Their end is destruction. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. And they are focused on earthly things. So they had a sin-filled appetite. They indulged in sin. And when they indulged in sin, they actually bragged about it. Their lives revolved around themselves, not Jesus. They pressed on in sin, not knowing and following Christ. I don't know about you, but living life as an enemy of the cross does not sound like a wise decision. It sounds like it's pretty foolish and stupid. You're better off not to profess Christ at all. But to profess Christ, then backslide and live in sin, pursue the world and everything else but Jesus, while at the same time talking out of your mouth that you love Jesus, that's just crazy. And you're in for a world of hurt. Not by a preacher, but by Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Ooh, we don't like hearing that and preaching that. See, I want to press on. I want to cling to what is of eternal value, and that's Jesus. Paul made note of that in verse 20 and 21. He said, our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly wait for a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, and He will transform the body of our humble condition into the likeness of His glorious body by the power that enables Him to subject everything to Himself. The true Christian is a citizen of heaven. They press on. They're actively waiting for the glorious of return of Jesus Christ and they know that the maturing Christian knows that Jesus can come back at any moment so they eagerly wait and that eager expectation keeps them focused it keeps them pressing on it keeps them enduring because they know they have not yet crossed the finish line they press on knowing that Jesus is worthy and worth it They press on knowing when Jesus Christ returns, there won't be any more sin. There won't be any more tears. There won't be any more aches and pains. There won't be any more death. But eternity with Jesus. The writer of the book of Hebrews shared these words. He said, let us run the race with endurance. Let us run with endurance, I'm sorry, the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus. Our eyes aren't downcast. Our eyes aren't looking back. They're forward on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. We're called, I just read it this morning in 1 Timothy, we're called to fight the good fight of faith. We're called to press on, to run the race faithfully. And my hope and my prayer is for each and every single one of us in this room, we are and we will. Jesus is better, far better than anything else you will ever experience in this life. Don't get distracted. Don't look back. Reach forward. And know 
the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords loves you. And he wants you in his presence, not only today, but for all eternity. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for how awesome you are.